and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one delightful page of Talmud every day. And in today's page, Yoma 85, as we barrel towards the end of the Masechah, towards the end of the tractate, we find right there, hidden, folded away, a sentence in the Mishnah that struck me as really, well, striking. Here it is. I'll read it in Hebrew because it's so beautiful and then in English. Mita ve'yom ha'kipurim mechaprin im ha'tshuva. Death and Yom Kippur atoned for sins when accompanied by repentance, which raises a million questions. What is the relationship between repentance and Yom Kippur and death? It's a very kind of heavy, mystical, looming large sentence. And to help me explicate it, I have the pleasure of welcoming back to the show one of my absolute favorites, Rabbi Shlomo Zukir. Hello. Hello, Liel. It's great to be back. It's an absolute pleasure to have you back. And you now have the uneasy task of explicating what today's page really sort of unfurls and unfolds in in many different directions, which is this strange mystical relationship between death, Yom Kippur, repentance, sin, redemption. Take it away. What are we learning in this beautiful page today? One of the things that happens at the end of Masechet Yoma is there's a shift away from the sacrifices and temple rituals that happen on Yom Kippur and every other day in the temple. And instead, we focus on other atonement rituals that are applicable today. And this Mishnah that you read a line from really focuses on that point. The Mishnah starts by talking about sacrifices and then transitions to say, as you read, that death and the Day of Atonement atone along with repentance. And right there, you have three different atoning agents. You have death, that death can expiate, can atone. We have Yom HaKippurim, Yom Kippur, the day can atone. And we have Tshuva, repentance. And we're going to leave aside the question of death and suffering also comes up. These are fascinating issues, but I think better left on the side for now. But the question to focus on, I think, is the relationship between Yom Kippur and repentance in terms of achieving atonement. Now, of course, kapara, atonement, is the resolution or the absolution of one's sin, that the sin is sort of cleansed or wiped away. And it sounds like from the Mishnah, it says that Yom Kippur, the day of Yom Kippur, along with tshuva, along with repentance, right, that self-transformation, that moving away from sin, together somehow they resolve sin, they atone. And the Talmud's continuation has a bit of a challenge sorting out what exactly the relationship is between these two factors. First, it says, well, obviously, Yom Kippur alone can't do anything. It's only along with repentance that it's able to atone. Right. It isn't just like, oh, you live through this day and you start anew. Right. It seems to reject that possibility based on the Mishnah. And yet, then it raises an alternate position, that of Rebbe, who seems to say that with the exception of a couple of extremely severe sins, but for everything else, Yom Kippur alone atones. And the Gemara actually concludes with this idea. It says, Yom Kippurim lo bayatshuva. The day of Yom Kippur does not need atonement, meaning that the day of Yom Kippur alone has the capacity to atone, to resolve one's sins, which sounds you know, shocking. Why would that be the case? A person doesn't need to do anything. They just need to live through the day and their sins are removed. And this really seems to be a tension both in this Talmudic passage itself can there be atonement just with the day of Yom Kippur? And the Rishonim, the medieval commentaries, fight this out as well. They, Even though 
it seems to conclude that Yom Kippur alone is sufficient to atone. Some of the Rishonim are unwilling to accept that. They say, well, if the Day of Atonement just atones for all sins automatically, why was the temple destroyed if all the sins were cleansed every year? The people should never have been punished because, you know, only 12 months worth of sin before everything gets cleansed. And there's this big debate, and it's not really fully resolved as to whether Yom Kippur can atone on its own or whether it requires repentance as well. And I think part of what lies behind this question is a question really about the nature of atonement and about the nature of how God relates to Israel and relates to the world. Do we have a concept of atonement through divine grace, as it were? It's a gift. It's free. If you just make it to Yom Kippur, your slate gets cleaned, even though there's no no input on a person's part at all. Or or do we reject that idea? Maybe we could say that's a that's a Christian idea. That's not a Jewish idea. Right. And say that in Judaism you need chuba. You need a you need some input. You need at least to repent. Maybe that works along with Yom Kippur. But there's no such thing as a free atonement lunch as getting kapara. <laughs> And maybe the another factor, just to make this a bit more complex, is the relationship between between the nature of Yom Kippur and atonement in the time of the temple versus after the destruction of the temple. Because when the temple stood, there was the ritual of the Sa'ir La'azazel, the scapegoat sent into the desert. And that scapegoat was said to atone for all sins. And there's a very similar question. Is it necessary? The Talmud raises this question elsewhere. Is it necessary to repent to receive atonement in that vein, or does that happen automatically? And and some medieval thinkers, some Rishonim, have the view that actually with the destruction of the temple, the exact calculation shifts. And there's a move instead of, uh, and really the arguments go in both directions, but at least one might say that instead of having atonement automatically through the scapegoat, nowadays with no temple, you need to earn your atonement. And tshuva, repentance, takes the first position as what one needs to do in order to to earn atonement. So maybe in the time of the temple, there was atonement through grace, just you know some ritual in the temple, no need for personal transformation, and you get atonement. Whereas today, you need to actually earn your kapara, your atonement. You have to actually sing for your divine supper. <laughs> Rabbi Shlomo what what a beautiful lesson and what a wonderful way to look at the work we all have to do to deserve redemption. Thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you, Liel. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Studios. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz, and our producers are Josh Cross, Sarah Fredman Ader, and Robert Scarmuccia. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeonedafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic and we'll see you again soon. Mm-hmm.